This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Welcome to Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Uh, let's see. Um, going to talk about, well, you know, Mr. President. Because and I, it's I, I, I don't know if I if I really qualify for being a great political thinker. So I probably should always tread lightly when I talk about politics because I don't know what do I know I'm a cartoonist right you know I was saying that the other night uh just what do I know (laughs) I'm a cartoonist yeah but um I have opinions uh the big summit took place uh between President Trump and uh the uh, ruthless dictator of uh North Korea uh Kim Jong-un and um I, I was not surprised by the reaction because uh, even before it happened, I figured, well, let's see. You know, it's probably going to be people that don't like Trump will think that he messed it up, and people who really love Trump will think this was a triumph. And I kind of how it, how it went. Uh, it's, it's it's it was predictable, uh, but you know, it, it, there was quite a buildup before this thing finally happened. It was on again, off again, on again. You know, it just, just like, is this going to happen? And all the, you know, the Trump says, no, we're not going to do it. And then the, then the, then the Koreans are begging. You know, the uh, Kim Jong Un is begging, please, please, let's do this. Uh, at least that's how Trump categorized it. Well, okay, so it happened. And um, you know me, I do this sometimes. I've talked about it on the show. I'll I'll say something that's might be slightly provocative. On Facebook, sometimes I, you know, I start off doing it intentionally uh, to provoke an opinion. Sometimes I, I didn't in, it, it intend it to be provocative, but I realized once I put it up, posted it, I said, yeah, it kind of is. Well, let's see what, how it gets, what reaction it gets, so I can get, get opinions, get people to say, you know, what they're thinking, and hopefully I get some intelligent responses and not just, you know, not just, you know. You know, being accused of being a Trump lover or something, and I just I posted, well, the the, the talks have taken place. So let's see how Facebook turns this into a bad thing, and uh, and so I just wanted to see the reaction, and some people reacted, and uh, I should say most everyone was pretty good. I mean, they gave some good opinions, linked to some other opinions, you know, from political folks, folks that do pay attention to this kind of stuff, folks that follow it as part of their jobs so they know a lot more about the political situation than than a cartoonist like me <laughs> such as myself uh you know i you know i just 
you know what I see going around online and I try to avoid too much news you know it's just, if you want to think life is better than you know than what the news shows you it being just stop watching the news <laughs> you know life isn't as awful as the news seems to paint it to be because it's always the bad stuff that you're gonna hear well anyway um, there was a, a one person posted something on well there I discussed with a friend about some of this reaction and and he was agreeing with me that you know the, the internets seem to jump on this as being a terrible bad thing and um, he said his he thought the point about uh, Kim Jong-un getting good propaganda out of this that he would be able to bring us back to his people. Look, you know, I'm up there with the big boys, that kind of thing. Uh, you see, the American president uh, come, shakes my hand and stands smiling with me and all that. It's, it's stuff, you know, to show his folks back home how what a, what a great world le leader he is. But, and I agreed with, uh, with my friend, but I thought, the more I thought about it, I said, well, wait a minute, that would have happened anyway. It, it wouldn't matter how it would have happened. It wouldn't matter who he would have met. If it, it, whichever American president he would have met, if it would have been Obama, if it would have been Clinton, if it would have been either of the Bushes, it wouldn't have mattered. You know, he would have gotten whatever publicity out of it that he would get. I mean, even if he was admonished about his, uh, you know, about North Korea's human rights records, even if uh, it, it just it, it would it wouldn't matter. He would have some propaganda to bring back. So, okay. Well, the it seems the consensus of the of what had transpired was both right and left were saying some of the same things. Uh, is that uh, Trump got played? <laughs> he really didn't get anything out of this. North Korea got more out of it than than uh, you know got stuff out of it. Uh, uh, most importantly was the uh, the ceasing of war games. As, uh, that's how the president put it. Uh, the the drills that are taking place uh, in South Korea, the American forces that are armed forces that are there, uh, those they were going to stop doing that because you know Trump said that's that's provocative, which is he got criticized for saying that because that's what North Korea has been saying for decades. Hey, that's provocative uh, that they're doing that. But uh, you know, so he's that seems to be the biggest thing that they they criticize that he that we won't be doing that. It's a sort of a Showing, uh, not only showing North Korea that we're we we are keeping ourselves ready in case we need to defend South Korea, but it's also showing South Korea that, and it's showing the other nations in, around there. It's showing China, it's showing Japan, you know, that we're still engaged in that part of the world, and we're paying attention to what's going on in North Korea. And. Uh, and and all that North Korea gave us was to reaffirm their intention to denuclearize the uh, Korean Peninsula, which I learned that they denuclearize is sort of a weasel word. It's not. It, it doesn't necessarily mean disarm. It's sort of a yeah. We you know it's sort of a yeah. We'll we'll get to that when uh, it's down the road. It's kind of well there. Maybe maybe we'll do it. Um, you know, if if the tensions can be lowered to a point where we feel secure here, then well, then yeah, man, yeah, we won't need the weapons. It's kind of a just kind of hold it in place. And then they've been saying, well, these have been the the the, the things that North Korea has been 
reaffirming since 1992. So that, you know, it's so, and has done so several times between 1992 and 2018, which would mean that would encompass the, you know, the administrations of George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Barack Obama, and Donald Trump. So, have the other presidents been played? Or is it just Trump? Uh, what kind of... It's how active of a talk was it? I mean, this, this was kind of a big deal that they were talking. So, alright, so here's... One of the things that was an argument or an opinion that was put to me was uh, um, uh, a Facebook friend shared a link to a New York Times opinion write-up uh, by Nicholas Kristof. Now, I'm not sure about Nicholas Kristof's political stance. I'm not, I don't know if he's left, right, or center, where he's at. He works for the New York Times. The New York Times isn't necessarily a bastion of conservative thought, but, you know, I'm willing. I, I, they, they, they can have good opinions. <laughs> so I, I don't know. So I don't know exactly where this guy falls. Um, the same Facebook friend did find a uh, an opinion piece written by uh, someone who is a known conservative. I'm not going to deal with that one in here, but because it says virtually the same thing that this one says by Nicholas Kristof. And I'm going to read you the... Um, it, you know, when a lot of times when somebody posts a link to an article, I'll even do this myself, well, they'll pull... Uh, a quote out of the article, and they'll put it in, into the comments when they post the link. And uh, you know, it's just kind of a common thing to do. Sort of like here's something, here's here's a part from the the piece that I'm linking you to that really encapsulates what I'm thinking or the the point I'm trying to make here by sharing this article. And so, uh, uh, the person who posted it on my Facebook comment, uh, he. Uh, he included these two paragraphs, which occur early in the uh, in the article, um, and I'm I'm quoting from the uh, from the article. Kim forced the American president through his nuclear and missile tests to accept North Korea as a nuclear equal, to provide security guarantees to North Korea, and to cancel war games with South Korea, so that uh, that the North has protested for decades. In exchange for these concessions, Trump seems to have won astonishingly little. In a joint statement, Kim merely reaffirmed the same commitment to denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula that North Korea has repeatedly made since 1992. And so using that's like, see, didn't get anything, didn't get anywhere. And he's got this propaganda now, which I say, well, if this summit had taken place if with Bill Clinton, uh, with George W. Bush, with Barack Obama, he still, you know, or if Hillary Clinton had become president, and this and this summit had taken place with any of them, he still would have had some propaganda uh, mileage out of this. He would still have gotten something. Uh, so that's I'm not sure that's the greatest uh, argument there. Um, but there's something I read that entire 
opinion piece, which I'll link to in the show notes at uh, at dimland.com. You go to dimland.com and you click on the blog option, and you'll find the show notes for each week's show. And uh, you can and I have links and all kinds of stuff that uh, you know in there so that you can check up what I where I'm getting my information from. And so I'll link to this article so you can read the whole thing. But there's something that I wanted to include in this in wrapping this up uh, that didn't get m- mentioned uh, too much in the little comments uh, to my to my statement, my provocative statement about you know how is Facebook going to turn this meeting into a bad thing? Uh, they they skipped this last paragraph, uh, well, or they don't use this last paragraph that Nicholas Kristof wrote. <clears throat> And I quote, Whatever our politics, we should all want Trump to succeed in reducing tensions on the Korean peninsula. And it's good to see that Trump now supports engagement rather than military options. There will be further negotiations, and these may actually freeze plutonium production and destroy missiles. But at least in the first round, Trump seems to have been snookered. Or snookered, that's how you're supposed to say it really. So, yeah, seems like this first round went to, to Kim Jong Un, but the, you know the people seem to have overlooked like I, I it's it's a good thing that they're talking to each other. I'd rather have them talking to each other than threatening each other. Wouldn't you rather have that? I mean, and then who knows where this is going to go? It's 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 not like it's over. It's done. Okay, there's the summit. It's done, and you know now let's move. Um, Trump failed, and we're all going to die. Um, you know, Trump even said, I could be wrong about this. You know, I might be back here in, in the future saying I was wrong. And then he made a self-deprecating joke by saying, uh, well, I, I might not admit it. I'll come up with some excuse. And the, the press people that were there, they laughed. And he, he played it for a joke. And some of the Facebook folks just couldn't say, well, why, you know, joking about being dishonest. and all that. Like, Come on, cut the guy just the tiniest bit of slack. You know, he's 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 at least self-aware enough to know that he might have trouble admitting he's wrong. <laughs> He'll come up with some excuse. But here's what might happen. Let's suppose we cease we do cease the uh, the the war drills, the war game drills up there in South Korea. Let's suppose we do that. We hold that end of our bargain. And and North Korea doesn't come across with anything. Doesn't look like they're going, getting anywhere near the, the uh, you know, the destroying of missiles and freezing of production of plutonium and all that. Let's suppose that doesn't happen. And then six months later, Trump comes out and says, "Hey, we gave it a shot. We gave it our effort. You know, the war games are back on." That could happen. And you know, maybe he lost his first round, but maybe maybe Trump and his uh, foreign policy staff, which. I know this might be a little bit of a stretch, but maybe they're playing a little rope-a-dope. You know, make it make him feel like he's got things going here in the beginning, but you know, just, but in the next rounds, just kind of wear him out, and then uh, you know, and then go get him. But who knows? I don't know. You know what the rope-a-dope was? Do you know what that was? Um, it's 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 a tactic in boxing, and the most famous occurrence of it, or the one that everybody thinks of when they think of rope-a-dope. Uh, is uh, the the big fight in 1974 uh, called the uh, the Rumble in the Jungle, 
And that was the big heavyweight championship fight between Muhammad Ali, who was aging at that point. He was beginning. He was getting close to the end of his his career as a boxer. And uh, between him and George Foreman. Now, not the George Foreman that you think. I mean, it's the same guy, but he's not the same guy <laughs> as we know him today. The guy who sells the grills and is lovable and cuddly and all that, and named all his kids George. And you know, it, he's. He's a different. Back then, he was a he was a very menacing, very intimidating, uh, uh, a boxer. I mean, the man was a force, and uh, the popular thought was that Ali, I guess, due to his age uh, and Foreman, due to his 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 powerful punches, you know, being probably more powerful than what. Ali had been facing up till then, or hadn't faced in a long time. They were thinking that uh, that Foreman was, you know, the sports experts were thinking he it was he was favored to win that boxing match. But what, but what Ali did was this thing called rope-a-dope, where he spent most of the fight leaning back against the ropes and letting Foreman just kind of pummel into him, just punching into the body shots, you know, just protecting his face as best as he could. And, and then Ali would throw some punches here and there, but for the most part, he would just lean back on the ropes. And that does that would do a couple of things. One, leaning back on the ropes, the, the ropes take some of the, of the, of the, of the pressure uh, of, the, of the punishment that is being doled out by the, by the punches. It takes some of that away. If you're just standing free away from the ropes and you're just standing and taking the punches, then your body is taking all that the brunt of them, where the ropes ease them up a little bit. doesn't mean that you're not getting a beating. It just means it's not as bad. And and apparently, as the fight was going on, uh, Ali was getting some shots in on, on Foreman. So Foreman's face was getting a bit puffy because you know he was getting you know, Ali was still a good boxer, so he was getting in some shots, and uh, but he was Ali was also taunting Foreman. He was just really getting him worked up. He was just talking to like, "Is that all you got?" That kind of stuff. Or probably a lot more poetic than that, but because uh, Ali was, you know, he was a good speaker, and uh, he spoke real good, and uh, he probably got he was getting. Foreman riled up, so just to get him more energy, put put out and fight harder, and put out more energy, and tire him out. So I guess it was in the eighth round where um, uh, Foreman was he, he was getting, you know, he was losing some of the power in his punches. He was getting a little tired, and Ali knew that was coming, so that's when he made his move and he put in some good combinations. And that's the thing. It's just reading about the fight, and I was learning that, you know, I'm not a big expert on boxing, but I was learning about how uh, good boxers, champion boxers, not just, they don't just punch better or, uh, you know, uh, uh, defend better than other, you know, average boxers. It's just, they, they strategize their fights better. They, they, you know, they sent a certain number of punches heading, you know, a certain, you know, like a certain number of right punches just to set up a left, you know, just to get, to get the face, get the, his opponent's face in just the right position so that, bam, he can come along with the left or come along with the right or whatever. Just, just, they, that's how they do these kind of things. And apparently that's what Ali was doing with Foreman and just put him down and got a, you know, and, um, and he was, uh, he got the KO. Uh, uh, I guess Foreman was getting back to his feet as the referee counted him out, which is legal. He wasn't quite 
up yet and got to the count of ten and called the fight. And so Ali was the champion by knockout. But this I learned about the fight. I didn't know this. Uh, at that point in the fight, the judges, they usually they have three judges at the fights, and they score points for, you know, punches and they take points away from illegal punches and you know they, they score the, the fight and um, all three judges had Ali winning the fight so if it had ended at that point Ali would have won by by the uh, by the judgment of the for the of the boxing judges uh, but I didn't know that I thought he was losing big time and he was just waiting to tire him out so he could get a knockout but uh, no, he, you know, so that's how it went. That's the rumble in the jungle, and who knows? Maybe this thing is a little rope-a-dope with with North Korea, but I doubt it. I think that uh, I heard this uh, Nick uh, Nicholas Kristoff on a podcast by the New York Times called The Daily, and uh, my friend Dave said I should check it out because I was talking about this, and he said, "Oh, that's what this. I bet you that's the same guy." The column I was talking about, he was talking about uh, listening to the guy talk about it on this this podcast. It's a little twenty-minute podcast, and he said in there that he says uh, that it feels a lot better now, six months after hearing the president say, "You know, fi- you know, fire and fury, the like the world has never known." I don't know if that was six months ago, but the tensions were very high then. We feel that the threat. Of military action is is much lower at this point because there's some talking going on. So who knows? Who knows what the future will bring? Difficult to see the future is, but uh, right now I do know that I have to head to a break. And you are listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm going to take just a little break here, and I shall return. Warmer weather in Minnesota means deer ticks are now feeding in a wooded area near you. Fight the bite. To avoid Lyme and other diseases from deer ticks, use tick repellent. This message from the Minnesota Department of Health. When, oh when, will someone design an exploding head emoticon? Please, someone, anyone. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Your assignment is to listen to the buzz on Monday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Central on ztalkradio.com. This message will self-destruct. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. 
And welcome back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. One last thing about the, you know, about the summit talk. Uh, somebody, I think it was the same person that gave me the, uh, the New York Times bit and, uh, and the uh, other article from the, uh, the conservative fellow that was upset with Trump. Uh, he, he also posted in there a video clip, a montage put together of uh, Fox News uh, presenters. Which had you know Sean Hannity of course, and it had the Fox and Friends morning people, and it had you know it had the usual suspects, and uh, it was a montage of uh, a then and now, and I love these because it's so it's so indicative of how uh, how uh, well I guess tribal human beings can be how we can be just like you know it's our guy's good your guy's bad that kind of thing and how when our guy does it it's good when your guy does it it's bad that kind of thing and 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 the way that you know people will justify it in their minds and how they you know the the cognitive dissonance that they have to be dealing with like uh, it's 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 fun to watch and it doesn't just happen with Fox News. It happens on all kinds of other outlets when people have opinions on politics and that. They find ways to, you know, when my guy did it, it was okay. But, you know, your guy's doing it. Okay, so here's the thing. They show this clip or these this montage with all these clips. And it starts out with, uh, um, uh, with President Obama or maybe then candidate Obama or whatever. I, I can't remember. But... Um, was saying that he'd be willing to meet with Kim Jong Un, you know, the leader of North Korea, be willing to meet with these people, and the Fox News folks are all saying what uh, you know that just shows how terrible at foreign policy uh, Obama is, and you know the, his inexperience and all this kind of stuff. They were just lamenting this, and how the guy would actually meet with this ruthless, terrible dictator uh, that's uh, you know it's listing off all the bad stuff, right, and how bad it would be for our president to do something like that. And then when Trump does it. It's, this is one of the finest moments in foreign policy that's ever been. I mean, it's so transparent, and you wonder if you would show the people this, they they would find a way to rationalize it. I'm sure they've seen it, you know, where they, you know, I'm sure they've been told by somebody, well, you know, when Obama was president, and he was talking talking about doing this stuff, not actually doing it, but he was talking about maybe being willing to do it. You were thinking it was the end of the world. Now that Trump is doing it. You th you're thinking it's the beginning of a whole new world. So it's like, what the hell? I, it's it's that's human beings. We're we're all kind of messed up. So I try to be cognizant of that myself. That I that I don't get, you know. I mean, I for an example. Uh, there's a video on the YouTube. It's a long one. And it's about how pop music today is the worst it's ever been. It's just really awful. It's just awful pop music. And here's why. Science proves it why. And, you know, they say the lyrics have gotten simpler. Uh, the, it's, the, the, the industry is just, you know, it's, just, it's essentially just five people writing songs. Uh, and they're just record producers, and they, you know, they'll just write all the songs for them, and it's all the same kinds of sounds, and it's all the, you know, it's all this kind of stuff. There's no, you know, they, apparently whoever put this together, uh, or the person who put this together, is lamenting back to the the free form of that happened in the '60s and '70s of music, where, you know, it wasn't cookie cutter. There was a lot of crap 
you know, people tend to forget that there was crappy music all along. And there's good music today, too. It's just you, you maybe have to look harder for it. I don't know. But so I was watching that, and, and, and I found myself saying, yeah, 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 that's right. Kids these days, they listen to crap. It's all crap. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I saw it was put together by InfoWars, and I went, uh-oh. <laughs> InfoWars, that's Alex Jones, conspiracy theory guy and all that. And I went, uh-oh, oh, it's InfoWars. And I mentioned this to a friend of mine, and he said, well, if it's true, it, I mean, it, it coming from InfoWars shouldn't make it bad. I mean, it'll raise a flag, you know, red flag, kind of worried about this, how, how, authentic, how accurate this might be, because InfoWars has a reputation among skeptics. But if it's true, does it really matter if it was InfoWars that put this together? I mean, it's it's it 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 does it does make me more likely to want to uh, uh, not just accept the word of it. I was willing to accept the word of it until I saw that it was produced by InfoWars, and then I went, ah, well. So you just, I guess, you know, got to try and hold that. Where you know, if it's another source that I trust. That that I make sure that uh, that they're trustworthy, <laughs> and and you know it, I mean Infowars could be right about this that uh, music has gotten worse, um, but I don't know I don't know so but it was funny when I saw that oh man I was right on board but now I'm not so sure but uh, wait a minute but they might still be right and I don't know <laughs> oh, that's complicated okay I haven't. Uh, I haven't declared a Dimland Radio Science Hero in a little while. And this one is a retroactive declaring of a Dimland Radio Science Hero. This this is something that took place, well, let's see. It must have been uh, between 2004 and 2012, or 2004 and 2012. Uh, I, that's because that was the the length of run that the series, the Fox television series, House MD went. It went from 2004 to 2012. Now, I never watched the series. I've heard that it was good. Uh, it was popular. People liked it. Uh, people liked the, the character, House. Uh, I forget what his first name was. John, Charles, Chuck, Bob, whatever. And he was played by Hugh Laurie. Uh, who was a, it was a British guy who had you know, put on the English accent. What the heck, you know? <laughs> but no, but he did a good job. And uh, he plays this curmudgeonly, misanthropic doctor who has this gift of being able to diagnose the undiagnosable stuff. You know, by the, by the plebes that he works with, he's able to swoop in and figure out what these terrible, terrible diseases are. Most of the time, I think it was lupus, wasn't it? No, and I think that was a joke, a running joke on the series that it wasn't lupus, but often people would say it was. I think. I don't know. I didn't watch the series. Now, I don't know also if the series as a whole um, was very pro-science or and science accurate. Uh, I don't know if it was like that. I don't know if it ever dipped into any kind of pseudo-scientific stuff or not. But I do know that there was an exchange on the show between Dr. House and a young mother 
who brought in her. Oh, I would say the the child was not quite up to toddler yet, but older than a year, probably. A little chubby little baby. You know, a little older baby, but not, you know. And, uh, and just a chubby little thing. And very happy. Just a happy baby sitting on mom's lap. Mom was concerned. I'm setting up the scene. Mom was concerned about uh, something, you know, a swollen face, and she just seemed, something seemed wrong. And uh, so she wanted to bring her to the doctor to find out what's going on. And somehow, Dr. House is the one that she gets. And and Dr. House um, is looking, you know, he's checking out the baby and, and, and just checking out some, some of the little quick little, like, like her glands, how do they feel, and all this. And he looks over at the chart while he's doing this, and he, he noticed that the baby hasn't been getting its vaccinations. And he mentions that. And the young mother says, oh, we're not, we're not vaccinating. You know, and there's a, and now, okay, when I'm going to play this audio clip, it's a couple minutes long, so I'll, I'm setting it up here. So she'll say, we're not vaccinating. And what Dr. House does at that moment, you have to, I'll link to it in the show notes so you can watch the clip, is he, he looks, he pauses and he looks up as if he's thinking to himself, okay, how am I going to talk about, what am I going to say here? And then he kind of goes into action. Now the, the mother is entertaining her little baby with a, with a, with a, a, a plush toy. It's a little frog, a little green frog. And so you'll hear some stuff going on there, and there's a reference to the toy in this clip. And uh, uh, I'll just—I think I've set it up enough. Uh, I got to put the headphones on and see. And I'm going to play the clip. So this is from House MD. It's a little vaccination talk that uh, the misanthropic House had with uh, a young mother that didn't want to vaccinate. Let's see how this. How it goes. <laughs> no formula, just mommy's healthy natural breast milk. <laughs> Yummy. Her whole face just got swollen like this overnight. Mm-hmm. No fever. Glands normal. Missing her vaccination dates. We're not vaccinating. Grub it. Think they don't work? I think some multinational pharmaceutical company wants me to think they work. Pad their bottom line. Mm -hmm. May I? Sure. Ribbit. Ribbit. Yeah, all natural, no dyes is a good business. All natural children's toys, toy companies, they don't arbitrarily mark up their frogs. They don't lie about how much they spend on research and development. The worst that a toy company could be accused of is making a really boring frog. <laughs> you know another really good business? Teeny tiny baby coffins. You can get them in frog green, fire engine red. Really. The antibodies in Yummy Mummy only protect the kid for six months, which is why these companies think they can gouge you. They think that you'll spend whatever they ask to keep your kid alive. Want to change things? Prove them wrong. A few hundred parents like you decide they'd rather let their kid die than cough up 40 bucks for a vaccination. Believe me, prices will drop really fast. Ribbit, 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 ribbit. Tell me what she has. 
cold. That's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty uh, blunt. You know, yeah, go ahead. Don't vaccinate your kid. When she dies, you know, the pharmaceutical companies will think, well, we better lower the prices because all these kids are dying. And <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, as I said, I don't know if the whole show was as uh, pro-science as that moment is there. And it, it's, it's, it's a mean way of doing it. I mean, it's a blunt, in-your-face uh, way of doing it. And it would have been fantastic casting if the young mother could have been Jenny McCarthy. Oh. But then, you know, she probably wouldn't have acted very well. Um, and, you know, so it's for that, for that scene there, that uh, the the show house MD uh, the producers the writers whoever is responsible for that particular scene uh, they uh, I'm declaring them a Dimland Radio science hero. But here's the other thing: Did you hear the sound they were making for the frog? Now maybe it's a colloquialism. It's a certain part of the country that I'm unaware of that does does it. But they were saying gribbit. With a G, gr gribbit. Uh, what? Gribbit? Isn't it ribbit? Just the R? Isn't that what it is? It's, I mean, it's it, it sounded. I thought, are they saying gribbit? That doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> so if it's that way in your part of the country or part of the world, you say, hey, let me know. Uh, that's fine. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's the weird ass aspect about the rest of the country that says duck duck goose. And not duck duck gray duck. It's duck duck gray duck, everybody. Duck duck goose sounds weird. <laughs> no, I think that's just. I think we're on the other end of that one. Uh, we here in the uh, in Minnesota, we say duck duck gray duck. I, I don't know why. That's just what we said. So a Dimland Radio science hero. Oh, isn't that cool? Oh well, as long as I'm playing little audio clips. Uh, I'm gonna do uh, one of these. It's not true, it's not true. I'm telling you, cause I'm up here and you're nowhere. It's not true. So there. Okay, what's not true? Have you seen this? this heart-wrenching photo that's been going around social media of a, of a little child that appears to be of Hispanic descent and he's very upset. He's crying because he's in a cage. Have you seen this image? It's been going around and it's been saying how evil, of course, Trump is and how evil ICE is, the whatever ICE stands for. Uh, you know, the inner, you know, immigration uh, things, just, just separating families and all this kind of stuff that's, that's been in the news. And this image has been passed around as an example of how cold and heartless and terrible and mean the uh, Trump is and all that, and and ICE and, and, and America, well, conservative America mainly, I suppose. And uh, <clears throat> the only thing is, it's not true. The photograph is misleading. Uh, as, as I'm going from here from Snopes.com, uh, which is a good source for finding this kind of stuff and getting the truth out there. It is not a bad idea to double check them. They do give source. They do give their sources, so you can check out their sources to see if you know how things go. But see, what Snopes was able to find out was that this picture is was taken at a 
uh, at a protest uh, with people um, in uh, protesting outside of the Dallas City Hall. And I guess it was just uh, not all that long ago. It was this year. Some people were saying that this photograph dated back to 2014 or something like that. But no, it's it's. I think it's it's the photograph is from 2018. Uh, but what it is, it's, uh, a, it's a protest that's been put on in front of the, the Dallas City Hall where there's this cage that they set up, a little cage, but it's an open-top cage, and they have kids get in it, and they're holding signs, and it's sort of, it's a, it's a visual demonstration of how terrible it is to be separating these families uh, the way ICE is doing this, uh, the immigration stuff and all that. And they even show you and I'll link to this in the show notes, they even show you the kid outside the cage running around and all that, and then at some point he gets put in the cage, and he, they, the uh, Snopes is saying that the kid was crying because his mother was outside, and he couldn't figure out how to get out of the cage to get to his mother. But it was not, this was not set up by ICE to, you know, by the agents to put these people, these kids in a cage. This was a protest and and so the picture was sent out and cro you know cropped in such a way so you couldn't see that, that there was no top to the cage the kid could have climbed out or been lifted out of there he wasn't locked in and it was just part of a demonstration that's what it was so um, you know and I know I know what you're thinking Snopes.com is just some liberal shill that does whatever they can to make Trump look bad wait a minute that little story doesn't make Trump look bad now does it Huh. I thought, huh. Oh, well. So, the kid in the cage crying uh, as being part of uh, this uh, evil ICE and Trump and all that, separating immigrants, children from their, from their, from their parents, uh, that picture going around, it's, it's not true. It's not true, it's not true. I'm telling you, because I'm a fear in your it's not true. So there. Okay. Well, I've gotten up uh, in the show uh, to the point of the show where I'll take another break. So you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z Talk Radio Network on these uh, Z Talk Radio Network. Not just. I mean, it's it's the Z Talk Radio Network. I mean, how many other ones do you know of? You know, if in, in the Britain land, they call it Zed Talk Radio. Because they don't say Z, they say Zed. It's just kind of weird, but, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> that's, that's what living on an island will do to you, I guess. Anyway, I don't know what that means. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z Talk Radio Network, and I'll return after this break. Identification. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. 
Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Valtor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Carbon monoxide is a colorless, odorless gas that can be fatal. Don't use anything indoors that burns fuel, such as gasoline-powered generators, camp stoves and lanterns, or charcoal grills. Opening doors and windows or using fans isn't enough. Have your vents and chimneys checked to make sure water heater and gas furnace exhausts aren't blocked. If you feel sick, dizzy, or weak while using a generator, get to fresh air right away. From the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Z Talk Radio and the show is Dimland Radio. Uh, let's see. I just let the cat on the porch. Boy, it just I with a few seconds to spare before going back on on the air here. I had to let the cat on the porch, which I didn't have to tell you. I just felt like it. So there you go. Uh, let's see. Um, well, well, well. Uh, finding Bigfoot, the uh, I guess wildly popular cable TV science program uh, has wrapped it up after a hundred issues uh, issues uh, episodes of not finding Bigfoot they, they, they never did find it. Uh, it it's I only watched one show but as I understand the way this thing would go is that there's this investigative team which did include a scientist a biologist I believe field biologist, uh, they would um, they would go to some area of the country where sighting some sightings of Bigfoot or Bigfoot-like something. They'd go there, or, or they'd be presented with a photo or a video or some some anecdote that would get them to head over to this thing and check it out. Uh, the one I saw had a you know, an older couple, a middle-aged couple or whatever, out camping and they're videotaping, you know, having sex or whatever they're doing. And off in the background. Uh, off the campsite, up in the tops of the trees, is some monkey-like creature. That's what it looked like, anyway. So, so out goes the team, and they look for evidence, and they try to find, you know, trying to find a bigfoot. They might find a, they might find a footprint or something, and and they and they talk to the locals, and they do do you know, you know they tell the stories, and they make a lot of assumptions <laughs> about. Uh, how squatches live and how they behave and all this—they make all kinds of assumptions because that's all they can be because you don't you don't even know if the animal exists. So they uh, they would just do this, I guess, show after show after show after show for 100 shows, and they never found it. 
I'm not surprised. Uh, they, they would go to some town or some area of the country. They'd check for it. They'd leave with the mystery unsolved. Uh, which is just the way they want it because, I mean, well, it'd be cool if they could solve it. It'd be cool if Bigfoot did exist. It'd be really cool. I don't think it does, but I'm willing to accept it if they can find this animal and 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 prove that it exists. That'd be cool. But, eh. <laughs> there is something that said, you know, absence of evidence is not necessarily evidence of absence. Uh, but after a time, after a long time of looking and trying and, and, and still having no evidence, begins to add up to maybe this absence of evidence means there is no, that it is evidence of absence. Maybe it gets to that point. I don't know if Bigfoot's at that point just yet, but oh gosh, it's got to be close. And here's the other thing about the show. If they really did find a Bigfoot... Let's you know. I don't know how many episodes was in a season. You know, like thirteen episodes a season, fifteen episodes a season. I don't know. And if they really did find one, uh, you would think that you know the producers would want to have it. You know, for the finale of the of the series or the, of the of the season, right? But there's no way they could do that because if they really found a Bigfoot. That would be scientifically significant and very important news, and would come out way sooner than they could produce. You know, have the show produced and everything, unless they kept everything secret. Well, we can't tell anybody. We got to reveal it on the show, which maybe was their was their plan. But it, was, it seemed to me that the news would get out, and we'd know about it long before the show would air. So, so I, I figured. Figured each as each season started, I figured that uh, they wouldn't find a Bigfoot anyway because I think we would have heard about it. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. They still didn't find it. Yeah, but they gave it a good run. So there you go. Okay. Oh boy. Now my the favorite part of everyone of uh, of, of every person who listens to Dimland Radio. Favorite part of the show. And now, it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, we'll see. <clears throat> uh, I was uh, There's a video series on YouTube. I actually have two pedantic moments for you. There's a video series on YouTube called Everything Wrong With, and it's put together by some outfit called Cinema Sins. And it, they, what they do is they look at movies and they count up all the things that are wrong about it. You know, little plot holes, continuity errors, things that don't make sense in the story, weird reactions, just you know, just stuff. But they like the movies. They do movies that are that are good. They'll, they, you know, and I was just watching one. Uh, it was uh, everything wrong with Ratatouille, which is uh, a Pixar film. It's a really good one. Uh, and so they found all these things to poke fun about it. Even though it's it's done with love, because I think they actually do like these movies. Most of the movies that they do, they like them, but there are some that they obviously don't like, but yeah, like, but anyway, um, I was going to give, give an example, but I couldn't think of one. Anyway, at the end, this is a fairly popular video series, so they get to have an ad in there. So at the very end, the guy who does the narration for the video continues on and does the ad read at the end. And so they're doing, uh, for this particular one, and I'll link to it, the, their advertising or their sponsor is, uh, is a filmmaking school down there in Florida. 
called uh, uh, Full Sail University. And I, 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 I wrote down the copy of a part of the ad. Now, what I'll read to you is not edited within it. I mean, everything I read is, is, is straight from the ad. There's a little bit they say before it, there's a bit they say after it, but the pedantic moment takes place within this segment that I pull here. So I didn't take, you know, this is actual, word for word what was said in the ad. I didn't take anything out, I didn't add anything. Um, what you see in the images are you see students working on uh, you know movie sets. You see them setting up uh, dolly tracks. You see them working with the crane that uh, what do they call that for the for the camera? And they working with actors and and you see some shots where they're in a classroom, but you know but they you see them out working in the field. Okay, working in the biz. <clears throat> okay, here's the copy. At Full Sail, you'll not only gain knowledge and hands-on experience, but you'll also connect with other students and successful grads. Full Sail is committed to hands-on education. That means going beyond sitting in a classroom and flipping through a textbook. It means putting yourself in real-world scenarios because that's how you learn the skills you'll actually use on the job. You can study online or attend their sunny California campus. Did you catch what I'd be pedantic about in there? <clears throat> they just spent all that time telling you you're going to get hands-on experience. It means going beyond the classroom and flipping through a textbook. You're going to get hands-on experience, real-world experience. You can study online or attend their Florida campus sunny Florida campus. Obviously there's going to be some classroom time at the sunny Florida campus, but how do you get the hands-on experience by by working online? I mean, sure, you're not sitting in a classroom. You can be in a Starbucks, uh, you know, getting your, you know, one million times mocha thing while you're getting a tattoo. It's a callback to an earlier show. And, and be doing, you know, you're studying this. You could do that there at a Starbucks or or in your kitchen. I guess that's not necessarily a classroom, right? Uh, so you're beyond the classroom there and and you could be flipping, you know, scrolling through pages on the computer and not flipping through a textbook, but how are you getting the on-world hands-on experience? I studying online. I they there must be something they do. They must hook you up with some fi some film company. I mentioned this at the Minnesota Skeptics Meetup, and somebody uh, there mentions that, oh yeah, so that the, you, the, they'll get you to pay, because you got to pay for the school, to work on a movie set. So they'll get people to do the work, you know, you'll get to be a PA, a production assistant, and, and but you'll pay for the privilege. <laughs> so, but anyway, I just, I don't know how you can get hands-on experience by studying online. I'm just curious. Now I have a second pedantic moment. This one's a little more in-depth. Uh, a Facebook friend, I think, created this and posted it. And it's just as a curiosity to get people to give their answers, whatever they might be. Uh, what he wrote is this. Yeah, yeah, we all know what Mary Poppins is into, but what are your, a few of your favorite things? Now, here's the thing. He used a picture and the, and, and the text. If he, if I got the impression that he made it himself. The picture 
is of Julie Andrews, who, who did play Mary Poppins. She is in an alpine meadow. You can see the mountains behind her. You can see the lovely little yellow flowers at her feet. She's uh, spinning around. She's got her arms outstretched, and she's spinning. The, 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 her, her, her dress is kind of billowing as she's doing the spinning. I mean, she's, she's telling us how the hills are alive with the sound of music, which is, that's what this picture is from, the sound of music, which, you know, which, in which she played a character named Maria, and the song, My Favorite Things, is from Sound of Music. So there are two references. There's a visual reference to Sound of Music, and then there's a reference to a song from the Sound of Music, yet the guy says Mary Poppins. So more than just me, more than just me, went into the, the, the uh, uh, or I, hmm, went into the uh, comments and said, uh... But that's a different movie. Mary Poppins is a is a different movie. Well, yeah, yeah, man, you know, Mary Poppins. He tried to wiggle around and say, well, well, you know, there are there are actors that are known more for one of their roles than 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 as their own name, really. You know, if you're gonna know who Mary Poppins is, you're gonna know who Julie Andrews is. Yeah, I can. You know, millennials probably don't know, but if you're above that, you're gonna know. And so he, I just said, well, you just you should have either said Maria or Julie Andrews, because either would work. I would, I you know, I wouldn't be pedantic on using Julie Andrews because she's a singer as well. She would as well as an actor, and she would be you know put on concerts. And I'm certain she sang my favorite things: raindrops and roses and whiskers on kittens. Something or other and warm woolen mittens. Blah dee dee blue 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 blee dee dee dee. These are a few of my favorite things. When the shark bites, when the bee stings. Shark. Hmm. Anyway, so <laughs> if you're gonna make this, either have Maria, because you've got two references to this a different movie, or Julie Andrews. Okay? I'll put the image up. You can take a look at it. There you go. Well, uh, I have to tell you about three cool things. Do I have three cool things for the week? Yes. Uh, well, first off, three. number three is there was the Minnesota Skeptics Meetup. Uh, there was a new person there, a young woman named uh, Beck, who is an artist. And she and I got talking about art kind of stuff and how difficult it is to make a living at it. And uh, and she and I talked about going to art school. Another person asked where I went to school. I said in St. Paul. And she, went to, she said to me, did you go to CVA, College of Visual Arts? Uh, I said, yes. <laughs> it wasn't called that when I went to it, but that's the same school. And we talked, we, so we talked about that. And I found out that a teacher that I had way back in 1983 to 1986, I had a painting teacher, she was still at the school while this, this young woman who was going in 2001 or early 2000s, I think it was, or somewhere along the line, she was still teaching at the school. The school doesn't exist anymore, and we talked about how that's terrible. And she said, well, there was a lot of mismanagement going on in the school. So it wasn't just uh, tuition problems and endowment problems. There was mismanagement going on. Anyway, that was cool. Uh, number two, number two, the Washington Capitals have won the Stanley Cup. It's the first time in 40-something years. Uh, that Ovechkin fellow that played from, it's his first time. He's been in the league for, I think, 13 years or so. And that's first, his time first for winning the Stanley Cup. And I approve 
uh, I approve because uh, I usually have the stance that no team, no hockey team that represents a city or a state in which the people's uh, the people that live there's only exposure to ice is something that they put in their drinks. You have to live in an area that gets proper winter. <laughs> you should not win the Stanley Cup. Uh, but uh, it was cool. It was a, uh, I enjoyed watching the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So and uh, and I got to thank my friend Michael for helping me have the opportunity to watch as many games as I did. And uh, number number one, the the first the number one cool thing I saw this week was uh, somebody had um, put together and I'll link to it on the show notes at dimland.com. Click on the blog option. Uh, it's a picture of a basketball. And they're using a camera with a lens that can really get really, 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 really close to the surface of the basketball. That can really look at it and really shrink. You know, it's it's like we're shrinking down to teeny, tiny, tiny, and standing on the surface of a basketball. It just really gives you that perspective. And from that perspective, the basketball looks flat. It's a flat skip ball. Somebody came up with that. I, I didn't. Somebody did. So I, that was so cool. I mean, you can show that to a flat earther. See? See? You know, it's, it's, the, it's your size in relation to the globe that you're standing on that makes it look flat. Okay? You know, if you were proportionately the size you are uh, to a basketball, if you were that proportionate size to the earth, you would see it's a globe. And you, you could hold it in your hands. Oh, it's, you, know, you could do that. But if you get small enough, it looks flat. And a flat earther probably still wouldn't accept it. So what are you going to do? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Good oh, night, right. Good I night. can sign off. Proud I think I've made it to the end of another show. Well, gang, kids, everybody, be skeptical and remember that extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Uh, this has been Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. It is the most important day of the year, Father's Day. Uh, and um, uh, let's see. This is your host, Jim, Dr. Demford Simmons, reminding you to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. This has been a production of the Z Talk Radio Network.
And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going, going to hell. hell.